Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The last service, he said, we get her for a little bit until she has to raise her, her baby. And I thought, I, I, did I just get fired? What just happened? Hold on. I'm going to be back before 18 years. Um, well, hey, good afternoon. As uh, Pastor Jesse said, my name is Nicole, one of the associate pastors here. Um, before we jump into the word this morning, I have a question. I'm wondering if we have anybody in here who believes in miracles. If that's you, I want you to stand up. And if you want to believe in miracles, I want you to also stand up because this morning, I want us to, to pray. We, we have a, a friend, Ryan and Cassie Ellis. They are dear friends of ours to this house. Ryan has led worship here before you may have been here when he led. Um, he, he wrote a really powerful song called Resurrection Power that Chris Tomlin is singing um, all over the Christian radios right now. But they had a son. This is little Asa. Sometimes it's the picture's better over on this wall. But this is little Asa. He was born a week ago today. And um, I just wanted to, to stand as a family in faith because the doctors have said um, that there's a disease in this little, little baby's body that um, is life-threatening. And um, so they're, they're standing on miracles, they're standing on faith, and they should be receiving final news this week, which we know and we declare will be good. So if you will, I want you to extend a hand towards baby Asa, and you can continue to pray for him even beyond today. But but Father, right now, God, we thank you that this little baby boy's body is completely healed. Father, we thank you for wholeness in his body. God, we thank you for a long life. Lord, we thank you that this little guy is going to preach the gospel and be a miracle testimony to many around him, Father. And right now with my family, God, I just, I celebrate you, Lord, for what you're doing in Asa's body, even in this very moment, God. And we say yes and amen to a miracle in his body. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. I love that little face. I'll keep you all posted on the, the testimony as, as the doctors are stunned. You know, it's really fun when, when you can stun the doctors. Our son was healed about two years ago of a blood disorder, and I remember the doctor coming in and just being really confused. Um, and it was like the greatest thing to witness <laughs> that, that she would come in and be really confused. So amen. Thank you, Jesus, for Asa. Well, um, it is a special morning this morning. If you were in the first service, you already heard this. But it's a special morning because for 45 minutes, I argued with the dark, tight jeans that I'm wearing. And I put them on and I won the battle for y'all, okay? Okay. So for a pregnant mama in her third trimester, jeans are not your friend, and it's tight. And if I can't breathe that well, it's because everything is tight. So I'm going to need some grace this morning. I, I asked Pastor Jesse last night, I said, so what are the chances of me being able to wear yoga pants when I preach, you know? And he's like, hey, you be you. Oh, bless that man. But I thought about it. I thought like some wide sweatpants with some house slippers, fuzzy ones. Anybody? If I come in in the next couple weeks, don't be judging me, okay? 
This is, this is a real struggle happening. I'm doing in four weeks, in two weeks, in Jesus' name. The next time I preach is in two weeks. I'm going to have y'all lay hands on me. Because last year, or whenever I was pregnant, somebody said, <laughs> someone came to the first service. They said, I visited before you were pregnant. And I came today. I visited again. You're pregnant. You just, you stay pregnant, huh? I said, do not tell my husband that. You need to leave right now. No. Because she's like, I'm leaving to go to London for a couple weeks. I'm going to come back. You might be pregnant again. I said, no, I will not be. <laughs> no, in Jesus' name. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, have a, I have a word this morning that God's been speaking to me about for a couple months now. And I'm really excited to share it because I believe God's going to do something in this house and for, for all of us. And I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture. And again, my breathing is struggling. So y'all bear with me, okay? Open up your Bibles to Joshua 6. We'll start in verse 6. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. So Joshua 6, verse 6. And we'll have it up on the screens too. Again, this wall's a little bit better with seeing the words than this one, but whichever one you feel more comfortable with. All right, it says this. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days, and seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Then Joshua, verse 6, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I have said to you, shout, then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city going around it once. Then they came into the camp and they lodged in the camp. Verse 12, and Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that when they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to his people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. 
I know that was quite a bit of scripture. I want to title today's message, The Now and the Not Yet. The now and the not yet. I believe that God is speaking through this chapter about what it looks like to circle Jericho's in our life well and to stand in the now and the not yet. Because who knows, it's easy to stand in the now when things are going well, when things are looking good. But when it's not, when the now is a little little jumbled or it doesn't look the way we thought it would look or you know it's, it's not turning out the way that God said it would the not yet feels like forever away but I want to encourage us this morning to be people of the now and the not yet and I want us to look at what it looks like to actually walk around the Jerichos in our life in obedience, standing on the word of God and taking the presence of God with us in all places under all circumstances. And because we read so much this morning, I want to point out just a couple nuggets for you to take with you, to dwell on this week, to be encouraged by. The first one is that the word of God will sustain you. We, I believe, take advantage at least I know that I do, uh, take advantage of having the word of God. There are people in other places who are being killed just to get a Bible in their hand, just to get in a group of believing people who will give them the word of God. And yet here in America, we, we can go into almost any store and buy a Bible. We can Google it. We can get it on our phones. The word of God breathes life on situations that don't look life-giving. And if you'll notice, well, you know, I was telling the first service, because this is really good, in Matthew 4, it says that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds the mouth of God. Do you know what that means? It means we can't live on just food alone. We have to live on every word that proceeds the mouth of God. Where do you find the words that proceed from the mouth of God? In the word of God. And see, in this, in this specific situation, we, we have Joshua's people, we have the Israelites, they're headed toward Jericho. They're actually headed towards their promised land, but they come across a problem. Anybody ever had that? You're headed, you're going, you're getting there, and then you just have a little situation. And you're like, wait a second, this isn't panning out, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. God, you said that, or this, this is my promise. What's, what's this little speed bump? And that's exactly what's happening, is Joshua is to take this city. The problem is, like we just read, it's well secured. It's shut up. No one is getting in, and ain't nobody coming out. The walls are tall, and they're actually quite thick. And they have security on the top of the walls that are making sure that no one's coming in and no one's coming out. But what's interesting here is in verse, verse two. If, you, if you're a highlighter, you want to highlight this. Verse two says, the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. You know what's crazy about this? Joshua isn't there yet. Wait a second. Verse two, the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hands. Hold on a second. All that Joshua can see is that this city is well protected. It's got tall walls and, and thick walls and it's secure and it's shut up and nobody's getting in and nobody's coming out. But what does the Lord do? He speaks in past tense. He doesn't say, 
all right, Joshua, we're going to get through this. I will deliver you. Once you get there and once you've worked hard and once you've strived and once you've proven your point, I'll give you the city. I'll get you to your promised land. No, no. It says, the Lord says, see, I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. He's talking to Joshua in past tense to see beyond what his natural eyes are seeing, beyond what his mind believes is possible. Because we worship a God that just makes impossible situations become possible. And as I read through this, I just kept thinking about all the situations and circumstances and things that we will face, all the little speed bumps, if you will, in life that we will come across that in the natural looks incredibly impossible. Whether it be the test results or, or how your marriage is going or what your friendships look like or if you've received that promotion in that job or not. A lot of times if we look in the natural, if we face based on what we can do and how we can strive to get or, or become successful, it looks impossible because it is. But with God, all things are possible. And he often speaks to us in past tense. You know, the word of God is full of victories. You need a victorious word from God. You just open up your word. The most important thing that you can get is a word from God. I tell our team all the time, I want people to come in and share. We'll have people come in and share testimonies or email us. And I'm like, I just I want people to come in and share testimonies and email testimonies about prophetic words they've gotten from God. Because we hear about, you know, so-and-so gave me a prophetic word or they encouraged me. They said this or so-and-so reminded me who I was. But, you know, God does that. God has a whole book of prophetic words for you. And I want us to be a people, I want us to be a community that we stand on the word of God in such a mighty way that his words mean more than anyone else's words. Because his are true. God's not a liar. And community and family, really good. And, and, and obviously we operate in the prophetic here and we encourage you all to prophesy over one another. But a word from God will change any circumstance. Seen with a supernatural vision of what God has, of the victory that he has for these situations, for your Jerichos, will literally change your perspective. I hear a lot, you know, people will say, well, well, I can't hear from God right now. I'm just, I'm in this season and I just can't hear him. And I say to those people, I say, well, can you read them? Can you read them? Can you sit with them? Can you make time to just be quiet and get in the secret place with Papa God and receive from him? Can you minister to him? He'll minister back to you, but, but can you, if you can't hear him, just read him or sit with him or make space for him because I know he wants to speak to you. And he'll speak to you in different ways, in different seasons, in different times. And it doesn't mean he's mad at you doesn't mean he's withholding from you. It just means he's jealous for you. He's jealous. I'm jealous for my time with my husband. I'm jealous for my time with my kids. And I'm just a human. God's jealous for you. He's jealous for your time. He's jealous for that intimate place with you. And one word from God 
whether we read it or we hear it or we receive it, can literally change any circumstance. See, the problem is when we look at our circumstances, when we look at our Jerichos, if you will, we will see those bigger than we see God. But when we look at him, those circumstances become much smaller. The Lord said to me about three, three and a half years ago, there was a situation happening and I, I was just crying to the Lord for three days. And, and he finally said to me on the third day, he said, Nicole, you do not, I kept asking him, why, Lord? Why, why, why? And he said to me, Nicole, you do not need to know the why. You just need to know that I'm good. And it was like in that moment, it was such a simple word. But in that moment, my eyes got off of that circumstance, off of that problem. And it got it back on him. And when you dwell on the presence of God, when you dwell on who he is and what he says he is and who he says you are, everything else just seems super minor. Hebrews 11.30 says this, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around for seven days. Joshua and the people of God demonstrated deep confidence in the power of God's word. There's power in his word. There's power in his word. And, and when you read his word, you won't judge the present with your future. You, you know, my, my kids, when they're learning to walk, if they fell down, they just, they got back up and tried to figure it out. And they kind of looked funny, you know, when they were first learning, but they, they, they didn't fall down and go, well, this just must be my future. I'm gonna be a crawler for the rest of my life. There ain't no walking in my future, right? We would be like, that's kind of weird. But, but we're called to become childlike. It's a fun example, but we're called to be childlike. And kids don't worry about stuff like that. They fall down, get right back up. Fall down, get right back up. We gotta pray over my son's brain all the time because he'd be falling down a little too much. We're like, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Hopefully that's whole when you're older. We don't know yet. We'll see. <laughs> but they don't think about, oh, I guess this just isn't my time. Or, or I guess this just isn't meant for me. Come on, somebody. Y'all know y'all have done that before. I've done that before. The Lord invites us in to see something, to see with his supernatural eyes what he's seeing, what all of heaven is seeing, and to not focus on these little bitty circumstances. Verse 2 is powerful because God is giving Joshua an invitation. He's given Joshua an invitation to see beyond, to believe beyond. Joshua had every reason to be like, you're crazy. I've seen it. I know it's locked up. It's secure. It's impossible. We cannot get in. I don't know what we're going to do. But God speaks to him in past tense. I've given you this city. And then God goes on to give instruction, which, which we'll talk about in just a second. But the second thing I want to point out, because I think it's really important, and you listening to me read that scripture, so you probably heard it over and over and over again, but they talk about the Ark of the Covenant. The second point that I want you to take from this chapter is that God goes with us in all things. You know, if you ever feel alone, you're wrong. You're not alone. He doesn't forsake or leave us. He's always with us. So if you're feeling alone, it's just a belief system that's lying to you. 
How important was it for Joshua? It says this, verse 6, Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant. Do you know what the Ark of the Covenant represented? The presence of God. I could go into 45 minutes of this, and I won't go home and Google it. It's really good information. But the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God, and it was this big gold treasure chest kind of looking thing, and it was heavy. And we know that it contained three things. It contained Aaron's staff, which represented the Lord's leadership and miraculous power. It contained manna, which is the miracle bread. This obviously, you know, signifies eternal life. And then it contained the Ten Commandments, which represented obedience. But over and over through what we just read, there was instructions to take up the presence of God to go into battle with them. When we face situations, when we face circumstances, when we, when we look at things that just don't add up to what God has said to us, and we forsake taking the presence of God, then we miss out on something incredible, his supernatural power. God is in us as a believer. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the presence of God that dwells within you. He never leaves you. I heard, I heard someone say once, you know, the presence of God goes with you everywhere, even places he doesn't want to go. That one got me. I thought, whoa. He goes with you every place, even places you shouldn't be taking the presence of God. The third thing that I want to point out from this scripture is the obedience. Babe, can you grab the, or saw, obedience. There's something significant about Joshua's men, the soldiers of Joshua, who listened to Joshua's command and obeyed what he said. You notice in verse 7 that Joshua gives his men details, and he says, proceed and march. Proceed and march. And then the scripture tells us that every day after they proceeded and marched once around the city, which could be done more than once in a day, it wasn't that big. After they proceeded and marched once, they were to lodge, I mean, go home just once. So for all my achievers in the room, for all my urgent people in the house, for, for all my go-getters, this could have been painful, right? Like this, could have, I'm in that, I'm, I'm in that circle. This could have been really painful because you're not seeing progress. I love to paint. I can't paint worth a hoot, but I like to paint because you can see the progress. You're like, yes, there's color. Okay, yes, the wall is done. My grandmother was a real estate agent. She would let me paint closets. It was like the greatest thing to me. I thought it was the coolest because it was like the closet wasn't painted. And then an hour later, it was painted. It was great progress. But for Joshua, he tells his men to proceed and march, to proceed and march around Jericho every single day. No progress is being seen. No progress is being seen. They they kind of feel like they're going in circles, and they are. (laughs) they're going in circles. They're circling the wall. They're circling the wall in the now and the not yet. All they know is that they are to proceed and march. And have you ever been in a situation 
where all you feel like, I just keep walking around this same old thing. I've been walking around this for days. I've been walking around this for months. I done circled this thing 45 times. I know what it looks like from every single angle. When am I going to be able to move on? This is a problem that's getting in the way of my promised land. I just keep circling the same thing. When is this going to be over? In college, I met this really handsome man. He's in the front row right here. And, and he, he would work out right around the same time I did uh, before classes in the morning. And so I thought to get closer because that's what girls do. We're very strategic. Nothing is by accident, guys, okay? You single men, you'll need to take some notes, all right? Listen. So, so I was like, hey, do you think like maybe you could train me? I don't know if I talked like that. I don't know why I just talked to Valley. I was probably a little bit more gangster than that, but <laughs> I was like, hey, you know, I'd been trained before. I kind of knew what a trainer does. They have to kind of like help you stretch out, you know? They got to like touch your shoulder a little bit. No, I'm kidding. I mean, that was probably part of my goal. But so, so I asked him and he, he said, yeah, sure, I'll train you. And I'm like, score, I get to be around this really attractive guy more often. And so, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I come to the, the first training and I had my hair done and my makeup done. You ladies, I know y'all be going to the gym like that sometimes, as single ladies. Now, I don't match. I'll be honest, when I go to the gym, you don't want to find me because I'm scary <laughs> before the workout and after the workout. I just look a hot mess. There ain't nothing matching. There ain't nothing cute. I didn't do anything to myself. I rolled out of bed and I went to the gym. But then I'm sure I was looking real good. I probably matched shoes, matched the shirt and the hair. And, and so, so the, first, the first day I remember going, I was so excited and I didn't really ask any questions, right? Like, I don't, I don't care what we're doing. I'm not, side note, I'm not one of those people who love to work out. For those of you that love to work out, you're weird, right? And I'm not saying, I'm not saying like, I, I like to work out and I, I like the, the not yet of the working out and I like the future goals and I like what it does for my energy and my body, but I don't love to work out where I could go for hours on hours, but my husband does. He loves it. He connects with the Lord while working out, and he could just do it all day long. No, not my jam. I'm a 45-minute kind of girl. Get me in, get me out. But see, when, when I asked him to train me, I didn't know this about him. I was still getting to know him. And so I'm thinking I'm, he's going to go light on me, right? No. So, like, after an hour passes... I'm like, so how much, how much more? We're almost done. About another hour passes. I really like this guy. And so I'm like, this is awesome. How much longer? You know, how much longer do we have? Oh, we're almost done. But then the cool down was like an hour. So this went on for a few days until I built up enough courage to sign up for an earlier class so I could get out of it. No, I'm kidding. 
So I built up enough courage to say, so what's the workout look like today? How long is it going to take? How many reps we got? How many squats does that include? What does that thing mean? How long is the cool down? Like I got real specific because it felt like when I would go into a workout with him, it was not ever going to end. And if you've ever worked out with him, you know what I mean. Steven knows what I mean. He works out with Paris. Sometimes I'm like, how was your workout? It was very long. I'm like, yeah, bro. That's why I don't do that anymore. (laughs) We learned after a while, like you can't train me because you make me mad when you train me because this is never ending, right? You try to work out with your spouse. It does not work. Okay. Or at least while you're dating, we could do it now, but it doesn't work because he would just make me mad. It just felt like it was never going to end. And I wonder if that's how Joshua's men felt as they continued to circle the walls of Jericho. And I imagine maybe on the first day and the second and the third, they're probably like, cool, Joshua probably just wants us to get a good look at it. He probably just wants to see if there are any, you know, points of the wall that we can strike when it's go time. He probably just wants to to make sure that we understand the land. He probably just wants to make sure that, you know, we're building up team stuff during this time. I don't know. But I got to imagine (laughs) that by the fourth, by the fifth day, they're wondering, what are we doing? There's no progress being made. The circumstance isn't changing. It's still a tall wall and a thick wall, and it's still well secured, and we still haven't done anything. What, what, what is Joshua doing? And, and then after, after they walk it once, they, they go home and, and they lodge. And you got to imagine what their end-of-the-day powwow sounded like because they couldn't talk. The word says that they were to stay silent. They were to circle a situation that was a promise silently. That'll preach. But, but, but I wonder what their powwow looked like at the end of the day. So, um, John, how was your walk? Three people ahead of me. Well, it was, a, it was a good walk. Got stretched out. Looked at the wall. Looked like the same it did yesterday. Um, how was your walk? Yeah, it's about the same. We'll do it again tomorrow. All right, see you in the morning. No progress. No moving forward. No seeing the victory. Encircling the walls of Jericho. And I know for a lot of us, we probably ask this question. At least I have. I'll admit to it. God, when am I going to see this victory? Lord, when are you going to move in this area of my life? God, why aren't you moving? God, why aren't you doing something yet? When all the while, I believe God's already had victory over that thing. We're just standing in the now and the not yet. And when we start to question God, our situation and our circumstances become a lot bigger than what they really are. Right? When we start to focus on the relationships in our life that aren't going super well, we start to focus on the job we haven't received the promotion in yet. When we start to focus on the addiction that just, it's just become me. I just don't know what to do about it. I've circled this thing a hundred times. I've circled it for five months or five years. I don't know what to do about this addiction. It just must be a part of me. Then we take our eye off of the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, who gives victory over that thing. 
and it becomes a lot bigger than what it really is. But who knows there's power in the word of God. There's power in being reminded that the presence of God goes with you everywhere, that you're never alone. You're not alone in your addiction. That's a lie from hell. You're not alone in your health issues. You're not alone in your marriage. You're not alone in your friendships. You're not alone in your workplace. You might feel like it sometimes, but your feelings don't control you. God never leaves nor forsakes you. You're not alone. His presence goes with you. You may not be feeling it lately, but he doesn't leave you. He says, just circle in obedience. I've already got victory over it. You're standing in the now and the not yet. See, God sees the future. We don't. Maybe you have pieces where God downloads things for your future, and that's incredible. But God sees the bigger picture. And we have to trust in the king of the universe to lead us as we walk in obedience, even when it feels like we're circling the same old thing. See, a lot of people, they want to commit to the future without committing to the present. Especially young people. I don't, I don't want to pick on y'all because I'm in that too. But a lot of times, you know, we're like 17, 18, 19, 25. I don't know what the Lord's doing with my life. You ain't been alive long enough. Hold up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> slow your jets. I, Paris and I were in youth ministry for many of years, and we'd hear this all the time, and I'm like, you 16. You just got out of diapers. Hold your horses, <laughs> right? Like, we want to commit to the future, but we don't want to commit to the present. Who knows it's really easy to start something? It's a lot harder to maintain and to continue. As we circle in obedience, God's supernatural power takes care of the work for us so that we don't have to strive, so that we don't have to fight. In fact, he just says, shut up. Don't even say a word. Oh, you got a problem before your promised land? Cool. Circle it quietly. And then you'll, you'll sing victoriously when I've taken care of it. Will you circle things in your life in obedience? Will you circle the, the problems, the challenges, the Jerichos, trusting and standing on the word of God, knowing that his presence goes with you and being obedient to what he has said to you? You know, a lot of times the reason we, we don't want to be obedient is because it looks different or it sounds different or it takes, uh, you know, a different amount of time than we would have chosen. But who knows that's not obedience because obedience is submission. God wants you to submit your plans. And I tell y'all, his plans are way better. The word says that too. His plans are way better than what you could even think, hope, or imagine. And so why wouldn't we want to submit and be obedient to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords? It takes obedience to circle something and not know the outcome. Because a lot of times, if you're like me, I'm a fighter, I'm aggressive, I'm urgent. I want to just like run the other way. That's not working out, God. I've circled that five days in a row, five months in a row, five years. That thing's not working. My, my promised land is this way. I've got to go. And we break our obedience to God. And we tell God he's wrong. And we tell God he's smaller. And we tell God our circumstances and what we see in the natural and what the doctors say and what people say around us means more, matters more, is truth. And I get this isn't a super popular message. 
But, the, but the, there's something about walking in obedience, circling the things that we don't necessarily want to see anymore. I get it. But will you circle them with God? Will you march around your Jericho, reminding yourself who you are in Christ Jesus? I am a daughter. He has a plan for me. I'm on my way to my promised land. And God, I'll circle this. As long as I get to circle this with you, Lord, I'll take you with me. God, I'll face this thing head on. Lord, I won't touch it. God, I'll be quiet as long as you're with me. Because I know there's victory coming. And I don't need to know when. And I don't need to know the why. But I know victory is coming. God gives us many promises. If you want to know what the promises of God is over your life, open your word. But who knows that we can have the promise of God and still not possess it. I'm going to say that again. You can have the promises of God and still not possess it. I'll give you an example. If one of you were to buy me a mansion, which you're welcome to, if you were to buy me a really big house because you know that I'll fill it with a lot of children and glory, and you came to me and you said... Listen, Nicole, I've bought, I've bought you and Paris a house, and um, here's the address. All you have to do is go to this address, and the key's on the counter. I would have to stand in belief that you ain't crazy, right? I'd have to believe that what you're saying to me is truth. Because I could just say, you're crazy. You didn't buy me a house. See you later. I have to stand in a place where I believe that what you've said to me is true, and next, I have to go to that address. I have to move. I have to get there. I have to show up to that house and get that key off that counter before I occupy that home. There is a promise that I've yet to possess, and it requires me to believe and to move. And there are a lot of promises over your life a ton of promises. It will wreck you. Just, just go to your word this week and look for the promises of God over your life. You'll be amazed. And it's not about striving, but it's about obedience and believing what he says is true and actually moving to get there. I want you to stand with me. I'm going to pray over, over us this morning. I, I had a vision three days ago I was sitting with the Lord, and, and he gave me this vision, and, and I saw these, these um, prescription glasses coming from heaven, and they were on a string, and they, they went to each seat in this room, and I saw him putting a new pair of glasses on all of us. And, and I heard I'm giving them a new lens. But then as I got close, I kind of, I walked up to someone, and I was looking at the glasses, and, and I, I looked at them real close, and there wasn't a lens and I was like, Lord, what, what do you mean you're given a new lens? And he said, I'm giving them a new lens. It was actually his eyes on your eyes. It was a supernatural vision from heaven for your life. And it didn't require a filter because God doesn't have a filter. So God, I thank you. Father, for new vision in this house, Lord, I thank you that we are people that stand in the now and the not yet, and we know, Lord, that you have brought victory over the circumstances that we might carry in this morning, and God, right now, I just declare that those circumstances, that those Jerichos, that those issues just become super small in our life as we continue to focus on you, and Father, right now, I, I, I do declare visions for all people in this house, Father, at night, in dreams 
homes, while they're driving to work, while they're leaving church, God, that you would just give them supernatural vision for their life, God. Yeah, Lord, I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're on the prayer team, come on forward. If you gave your life to the Lord earlier this morning when Pastor Chris did the call, come on forward and meet one of our, our prayer team people. Yeah. And if there, I, feel like there's, I feel like there's people here and you're like, yeah, that message was for me. Um, I, I need to believe it. If that's you, these people are locked and loaded and they're incredible and they want to pray for you and they want to lay hands on you. They want to stand in a place of belief with you. So come up and find one of them. All right. Okay, love you guys. See y'all next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.